Hello everyone, here we go, another TBD Research Ramble. And this is a really important recording because Mark, my friend, TA, and past research designer analyst in 311 is going to help us talk through some pitfalls that typically happen within question design for mostly the quantitative prototype, so a survey, not as much as the qualitative, like a focus group, but we really wanna think about the ways that we can enhance our question design, okay? So this recording should really be beneficial as everybody is finishing your design for the statement of work, the second deliverable. So let's talk about question pitfalls. Um, Mark, thanks for joining. Thanks for jumping in. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I know you remember this process all very well. <laughs> um, so when we think about pitfalls, what's the first thing that typically comes to mind? And what should we tell everyone? What's the first kind of red flag to look for? So what do you think about leading words or questions? Yes, okay, so leading words and questions. This is when we put too much emotion into our questions. So we want to really be neutral, avoid putting emotion. You don't wanna load your question in terms of having too heavy-handed words. So think about how different differences in word choice will produce a different effect. So think about the very subtle words, kind of those weasel words that sneak in. Even small things like the word any can throw off a choice. So you want to stay very neutral. Do not lead the end user to respond the way that you think you want them to respond. Stay neutral and stay very divergent. Be open in your thoughts. So yeah, that's the first one, avoid leading. What's another one we might wanna think about, Mark? Um, do you think mutually exclusive choices are a good idea? This is a tough one. Oh my gosh, I see this a lot too. So you have to be mutually exclusive in your nominal multiple choice questions. So what that ultimately means, the end user should not be able to select two options that connect them to the same possibility. So in other words, if I say that I spend one to two hours online, I should not have another choice that says two to three. If I'm two hours online, which choice do I pick? That puts cognitive load on me as an end user. So you need to be mutually exclusive. Don't fatigue your end user. Remember, we need empathy in this process. So yes, multi or mutually exclusive, that's important. What else, Mark? What else do you think? Uh, what do you think about direct questions? Oh my gosh, we've been talking about being direct this entire time. So this fits right in with our prototyping. We need to ask simple questions that our end users understand what we're asking. This is tough too, because we are trained as marketers to speak in jargon. We love industry acronyms, and that is not what we want to convey in an end prototype, the actual survey the actual focus group that we're developing here, we need to be direct. So you want to really keep very simple, neutral language. If you're using words like platform, what does that mean to an end user? In daily conversation, consumers do not talk about, for example, what platform they're on. You want to be conversational. Could you talk about this question like you were talking in conversation with your best friend? 
really be direct. No jargon, no acronyms. Simple. Direct is a, it's a tough one though, Mark. It really is. What are some other tough ones? Do you think I prefer not to answer a question is good? So that's, yeah, no, no, no. I know it's like, oh, prefer not to answer. I almost prefer not to do this question. So you do want to have some neutrality in terms of what you can share as an opt out. Now, this is interesting, though, because this could lead to missing data if we don't allow for data to be given to us by the end user. And at the same time, we have to be very sensitive. Not every question may be answered in a way where an end user feels honest, authentic, protected. There's a lot of social identity that plays into this. So for example, if we are starting our prototypes with asking questions about how much money do you make? How old are you? How much educational attainment? What gender? What politics? If you start really getting all of these big demographic questions at the beginning of a survey, wow, that is very off-putting especially knowing how sensitive these topics are in our society. So you always want to be able to add a prefer not to answer option just to empathize that your end user might not want to share that with you. So give them an out. The other idea with prefer not to answer options, especially on those demographic questions, put it at the end of the survey. That way you don't have this tone set at the beginning of a survey that all you want is the demographic data. We can get that largely from secondary sources. We want to really spend our time on the questions that matter to our research objectives. So when you put a prefer not to answer option on demographic questions in particular, or any sensitive questions, try to uh, flow those to the bottom of the survey, the bottom of the prototype. That's a tricky one, though, too. Anything else, Mark? What else should we be kind of watching out for? So do you think like there's options that should be covered? So, like, do you think you should cover all possible answers? This is so tough, too. You guys, survey is uh, survey design and all of this design is all about making decisions. So a lot of times we get these crazy long surveys because we're trying to cover everything. And while that is appropriate in some multiple choice nominal questions, you might also exhaust the user. So you want to have a, the possibility of an other option, sort of a quick text entry to simply allow less fatigue on the end user. So imagine if we were trying to share all of the different grocery store options that somebody could access food in, we would be listing hundreds of grocery stores across the country, right? So you want to be able to keep approximately five responses. That's an approximation. It's always going to be a trade-off, but think about how providing an other option is a possibility to really make sure you cover all possible choices. To add other, you simply click into the response option. There's a drop down arrow, and then other text entry is within that embedded menu. Okay, a few more, Mark. What do we have? What's another kind of pitfall to watch out for? So, what do you mean by use unbalanced scales carefully? So, unbalanced scales are really key. Let's say, again, in some ways, this is kind of like leading and loaded questions. You have to be aware of how positive or how negative your responses are. In other words, do you have a midpoint 
that is neutral, a fair, just a neutral spot where somebody may not feel overly optimistic and maybe they don't feel overly negative, but they need to have a cut point. They need to have a balance point in the middle. So if we put too many positive choices, we've led them to be positive. If we've downgraded to too many negative choices, then we're going to get negativity in the sentiment of the data. You need to have a midpoint. You cannot just say two negatives and two positives. You need to have a midpoint, which again, this becomes why five scale choices is what we need. You only need five. We don't need 10. We don't need 100. Seven is not a good balance. We need five. So that's a big one, five scale points. And then the final, I think we've got one more. Yeah, let's do one more. What do you think, Mark? What do you think of ask one question at a time? Okay. If there were any red flag that I see on prototypes at the statement of work point, it's this, asking only one question at a time. This is also known as double barreled questions. If I ask, do you order online and use carry out apps the and makes that two in one. Our data on the back end will not tell the story of either we get a mashed up understanding with no clear recommendation. So you only ask one question at a time. Do not be double barreled. If you find the word and in your question, take a step back and ask yourself, is that two questions in one? And if it is, break it down separate them into two individual questions to avoid being double-barreled. We see this all the time, and it's definitely something we can overcome. So that was the big finale exclamation point. I think we can do this. Mark, thanks for talking through all these pitfalls that I know this group of V CEOs will overcome. Yeah, no problem. Glad to help. Awesome.